This year, I am focused on saving and investing, but I still want to do things like travel. NerdWallet lets you compare top travel credit cards side-by-side to maximize your spending, some even offering 10 times points on your spending, which means you could end up with a free flight or maybe a better hotel room. So what could future you do with smarter financial decisions? Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. We're so excited to introduce you to Great Jones. Great Jones makes high-quality, thoughtfully designed cookware that's so stunning, you won't want to put it away. They have everything from Dutch ovens to ceramic dishes to non-stick sheet pans. They've got everything you want. I have the Saucy, which is a terrific saucepan. It has curved sides. It has a pouring spout. It has a lid. And it looks so elegant. It's really a pleasure just to look at it on the counter, even before we're using it. Yes, I love all the colors. Yeah. They make stunning gifts that are actually useful. Weddings, housewarming parties, birthdays. It's the perfect gift for the foodie in your life. So upgrade your kitchen and replace those old rusted hand-me-downs with bold, beautiful, long-lasting pieces from Great Jones. Get started today at greatjones.com and get an extra 15% off your first order with promo code HAPPIER. That's greatjones.com, promo code HAPPIER. Hello and welcome to Happier, a podcast about, you guessed it, how to be happier. This week, we'll talk about the right time to give advice and about the perpetual happiness headache of email etiquette. I'm Gretchen Rubin, a writer who studies happiness, good habits, and human nature. I'm in New York City, and with me is my sister, Elizabeth Kraft, who is one of my most reliable and good-natured Habits guinea pigs. That's me, Elizabeth Kraft, a TV writer and producer living in LA. And you're just the person I need today, Gretch, because now that the pilot I was working on is done, I really want to get back to my good habits. So you're the person to get me there. Ooh, bring it on. <laughs> Meanwhile, as I try to get back into my good eating, good sleeping, etc., in episode 62, we talked about you know, getting rid of excessive stuff. And like the example we used was soy sauce packets, you know, <laughs> not having too much of those little things accumulate. And we'd asked for a more catchy title than what we had <laughs> for it, um, which was something like, you know, don't, don't gather too much stuff or something like that. I think it was stop accumulating excessive amounts of stuff, which is okay, not, right. not, not catchy. Um, we got some great suggestions about what to call that. Uh, two of our favorites were stop stockpiling, which yeah. is simple and has a nice alliteration. And the other one that we loved was send the rat packing. <laughs> um, and we got some great suggestions about what to do about some of the common stockpiling problems. I, th- I mentioned uh, that I'm now doing these Facebook Live videos, and so we talked uh, about. I talked about some of these on Facebook Live, um, and here's some that are great. Lily had a great term that comes from the knitting world. It's a it's an acronym uh, about excessive pack routing. It's when you have stash acquisitioned beyond life expectancy. Sable. 
Um, and so, yes, if you have uh, more ketchup than you could possibly use in one lifetime, then you need to get rid of it. Um, and I thought this was a great suggestion from Jessica, which was that when she's ordering food or getting food, she says she wants food only um, to ah. tell the people not to get, not to send, you know, the extra napkins, the salt and pepper, the soy sauce, the ketchup, all that. And I thought that was a really, really good suggestion, too. Also, I really like the person who suggested that you bring extra ketchup packets or soy sauce to work and make a little basket at work because often at work, people are always searching for those kinds of items. Yeah, that's a great idea. Gretch, on the other side of this, Deanna wrote in talking about how her family often has a problem with um, collecting excessive amounts of stuff, including lint. What are they going to do with their lint? She says her husband uses it to make fire starters um, in the pile of egg cartons they have. And she uses it to make her paper, which is a craft she does, stronger. She says, but with the amount of laundry we do, we don't need it in a bag. So, um, yeah, when you're when you're saving your lint, yeah. you're, you're really into saving. So and and, and actually that. using it. I mean, that's like well done. True. I guess, yeah, if you're using <laughs> it, then more power to you. And uh, Tori points out that Whole Foods will accept collected rubber bands, which is very cool. Uh, right. You mentioned that you are, have too many rubber bands from around your newspaper that yeah. come around your newspapers. Yeah. And, uh, and Camilla says that, you can, that the post office will take them and you can put them in a mailbox in a clear plastic bag or leave them out for the mail carrier, which is fascinating. So like they could make ah. good use of rubber bands. So that was interesting. So great examples of how to stop stockpiling, which is a little bit of a tongue twister, but a great phrase. Now, Elizabeth, this week our Try This at Home is only give advice when asked. Yes, this is a great one. I think this is a challenge for most of us. I think almost everybody loves giving unsolicited advice. (laughs) Absolutely. I know I do. And we've all been on the receiving end of giving a lot of unsolicited advice when you sort of feel... Um, attacked and picked on and criticized and 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 nagged to death and you're like I didn't no one asked you <laughs> to weigh in here um, so uh, why why am I being subjected to all this unsolicited advice yeah and the thing about you know giving someone advice when they haven't asked is it can have the opposite effect of what you want it to have because I think people I mean I know I do quickly can get defensive yes and so if you're piling on the advice, they might just to spite you do the opposite of what you want them to do. Right. Or give in altogether. Like you think of that often with um, parents giving children advice when they're doing some kind of sporting activity, you know, and they're, oh, pull it back on the backswing or you need to leave with your foot. And, and finally, the child's just like, you know what? It's not fun. Like I just it, you with you yammering in my ear the whole time. I just I see that often just kind of in daily life where a child yeah. loses interest because there's just so much advice. It, it feels tedious. They just shut down because yeah. it feels like, yeah, a parent might be offering advice, trying to be helpful, but it makes the child feel like they can't do anything right. And so they just don't want to try at all. I'm sure I've done that, by the way. Oh, and, yeah. Me uh, too. I No doubt I've done that. <laughs> I'm always like, to Liza, can I read your paper before you hand it in? Oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I think that sometimes when people are complaining or, or you know, talking about a problem that they have or a challenge that they're facing, we often perceive it as, oh, they want my advice. But in fact, they don't want advice. They just want somebody to listen to them. And this ties back to that idea that you and I have talked about before, which is 
to acknowledge the reality of other people's feelings. Like you can just acknowledge how they feel without feeling like you have to ride to the rescue with a bunch of unsolicited advice. Oh yeah, that's that is big. I think it's it's meant well, but it comes off as um sometimes even downplaying what they're feeling because you're like, oh, well, you can solve that by doing this. Yes. And really the person just wants to vent. Right, or patronizing, um, right, or, or intrusive or kind of um, like giving you homework too. You should do this, you should do that. And you're just like, oh, well, I don't want to do those things. And, you know. But Elizabeth, I think that you and I are fortunate in that we have a pretty good example in our life of, of our, because our parents, they're, they're not 100%, but I would say they are very good about only giving advice when asked, which as a parent, I realize now how hard that is. Um, I appreciate it more than I, now that I have children myself, um, because I feel like they really do wait until they're asked before they give advice. Yeah, even I think sometimes that's really hard, especially for mom. Yeah, but they absolutely um, refrain from giving advice. I will say they almost don't need to give advice because <laughs> I feel like their voices are in our heads yes. like 24 hours a day. Yeah. Like, I think mom and dad would be shocked to know how much we take, like, them into account in our decision-making process. Even unconsciously. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'll have to, to to not do what I think mom and dad would want me to do. I have to, that, that's a whole effort, you know. Yeah. That doesn't just happen naturally. Well, um, and the, Jamie and I, Jamie's kind of the same way with his parents. And we, and, and he knows that about me and I know that about him. And we joke about it because there's that great scene in Star Wars, um, A New Hope, you know, the real Star Wars. Um, and maybe <laughs> you remember this scene, Elizabeth. It's when uh, Luke Skywalker and Obi-Wan Kenobi are about to go into Mos Eisley and they've been stopped by a stormtrooper who's asking them for their identification. Let me see your identification. You don't need to see his identification. We don't need to see his identification. These aren't the droids you're looking for. These aren't the droids we're looking for. He can go about his business. Jamie and I say, you know, our parents are like, you know, the force. These aren't the droids you're looking for. And we're like, hey, that's right. These aren't the droids we're looking for. Um, because they don't even need to say it. Like, as you say, it's it, it just, it's so powerful for us. Now, Meanwhile, when you get good advice, of course, it can be life changing. Yes. And that's that's the beauty of good advice. Yes. It's like that thing about how information wants to be free or information wants to be very expensive because the right information at the right time can change your life. And it's really true that the right advice when you're ready to hear it is can be invaluable, can be life changing. And I think that's part of why people want to give advice, because we all know that sometimes advice can be so helpful and it's such a great feeling when you feel like you've given someone a tool or a piece of information or a piece of advice that's been so valuable. But then you've got to remember that that's a small percentage of the time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I will say just the other day, I called dad at his office to get his advice about something. And he gave me great advice. And it, and I felt so much better afterward. Yeah. And I, I think I slept better that night. It was like... It was such a relief to get good advice. Well, you know, and I often preface it in exactly that way, like with Jamie or or with other people in my life. Like I'll I will say, 
I am asking you for advice in this situation so that they know that I am telling them something because I'm asking for their advice. And I think implicit in that is like, if I'm not telling you that I'm asking for advice, maybe I'm not asking for advice. But I think it's good for people to have a clear signal as to kind of what their role is. Like, I remember once you were telling um, us about how you said to Adam, I just want you to listen to this. And, and so then he knew kind of, okay, this is how... This is, this is, these are the expectations around this conversation. And I think sometimes that can really help people feel like they're being a good listener, being good at engaging with you because they know what you want. It's when they don't know what you want and they do the wrong thing and then you get annoyed. That's when, you know, it gets tiresome for everyone. This is such a huge topic. I mean, you'll remember when Eliza was um, our special guest in episode 30, we asked listeners for advice um, that they would give their 16-year-old selves. Yes. And we got such amazing responses that for our next very special episode, episode 70, we want you listeners to tell us what is the best advice you have gotten? What was that perfect piece of advice at the perfect time yeah. that changed your life or changed your perspective? We want to shine a spotlight on it. Yeah, it could be a health Work, parenting, relationships, anything. Because um, I think sometimes you can even benefit from other people's advice. You know, it's like somebody gave you that piece of advice, but hey, that advice works for me. And it's fascinating to see the advice that people give. So, um, so let us know what is the best advice you've ever gotten. We're really excited to see what everybody uh, has heard. Um, and for this one, we really want to hear your voice as you tell this story. So send us a voicemail at 774 774- Two seven seven nine three three six, and because that's hard to remember, this is easier. Seven seven happy three three six. We're very excited to hear your responses. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and free. And you know, Elizabeth, I now work with a team. And hiring the right people is so important. It's maybe the most important thing. And LinkedIn makes the process of identifying and hiring people easy and intuitive. I know that when I've been hiring for my team, it's hard to find quality candidates to interview. And LinkedIn isn't just a job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash Gretchen. That's linkedin.com slash Gretchen to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. So, Alyssa, this happiness stumbling block, I think you described the problem of online passwords as the problem of our time. And I think the problems related to email etiquette are even a bigger problem of our time. I think that all of the issues related to email are something that every single day is something that I struggle with. Yeah, I mean, relationships have been torn apart, Gretchen, through bad email etiquette. Oh, 100%. People have been fired. People have lost their jobs. They've lost their reputation. And people keep saying, like, email is going away. Email is not going away. Email is here to stay. Like, we need to figure out how to grapple with the problems of email. 
Who said email's going away? Oh, you know, people, these prognosticators, they're like, oh, teens only use text and Snapchat, so email's dying. I'm like, yeah, well, wait till they get a job and they need to send an attachment or they need to, like, go back and see what somebody said, like, a week ago on this conversation. It's like, it's, they're not fungible. They each do something different. And so, anyway, I, I think that email is here to stay for at least a while. And I think it falls into two problems. One is writing the right email. Like, cra- how do you craft the perfect email to what you want to do? And second is, how do you not send the email that is going to blow up in your face? Yes, so there's like the, the positive and the negative. <laughs> yeah, a lot of what one stumbling block I um, encounter is when someone you really care about emails you and you haven't talked to them for a while and you really want to send a a full update back to them, chatty, newsy, how are you, email that you want to spend time on. And then because you want to spend time on it, you actually never write it and you never email back. Right. Yes. And I've, I've seen that often with myself. And sometimes when I get like when from readers and listeners, is that the one that is like, that is the most thoughtful and that require that has conjured up the biggest response in me is the one that I answer very late and sometimes not at all because it just it's it's so big right um whereas a, a quick like thanks is easy but when it's harder but so here's a here's a tip that I've figured out for myself that I will propose to you sometimes when you get like that really heartfelt email and and you and you sort of feel like you need to respond in kind but it's it's hard to it, to do it. I often say to myself, one of the ways that I can show how much this email has meant to me is by responding right away. Because like Uh suddenness of response kind of signals like, Ooh, wow, this, like this hit me hard. And so sometimes now I'm saying to myself, well, maybe I can't respond at length, but I can respond immediately. That's a great idea. I'm going to do that. And that, that's easy. Like you, that, that's something to implement easily. Now, what about the email, the bad emails? The bad emails, the, those are dangerous. I mean, I know a lot of people have a policy of, um, you know, not sending out angry emails for an hour or until the next day, which I think is a good policy. I always say you shouldn't send an email while, while your heart is still pounding yes. from anger or yes. your stomach is churning. Yes. Um, wait for calm. Uh, now, I'm lucky because I have Sarah. You know, I'd say a lot of emails that are angry tend to be work related, yeah. at least in my industry. Um, <laughs> and so Sarah and I will read each other's emails ah. to say, like, is the tone okay? Is the content okay? Yeah. Um, if it's at all questionable, you know. Um, That's smart. Oh, and then the other thing, and I don't know if this is in your life, but I think a lot of people deal with this in terms of email etiquette is who is CC'd and even in what order are they listed on the CC list or on the you know mail list? I know I, this is, can become like something that you can take hours to craft. And I had this experience um, when I, in, in, in an earlier job that I had, where there was a lot of like politics involved. And, uh, and so, you know, like you'd write this email that would be like very carefully thought through about who gets it and who doesn't get it. And mm-hmm. then my boss would email reply. He would reply all and then add in all the people that you had very specifically not included. So not only would they see everything that you didn't necessarily want them to see, but they would see that you had originally tried to keep them off of the CC list. Uh-huh. And so as a consequence, every I quickly learned like never email this boss 
anything that's not just like um, the meeting is confirmed at 3 p.m. or whatever, because he really, really had uh, a very it really wasn't helpful. Um, the way that maybe he, that was his goal, by the way. Oh, yeah. No, to keep people from emailing him. Oh, no, I think his goal was to kind of blow things up. He was a guy who really thrived on conflict and really wanted people to sort of be in it all the time. And so I think he ah. did it. I don't think it was accidental. I think it was a deliberate strategy on his part. But it was just the strategy that would like get you get me in trouble. You know, like I understood what he was trying to do. But I'm like, well, I don't like that does not work for me in this situation. So, again, it's like people have different agendas. And that can come that can come up in email where there's a lot of people involved. Equally annoying is the person who never replies all. They just reply to the person. Yeah. So then it's on you to then dispense the information to all the people who were originally on the email. That but then, drives me nuts. But then there's the opposite problem of people who reply all when only one person needs a piece of information. Like True. You know, like, um, can you come to this meeting blah blah time? It's like not everybody needs to know. It's just the person who's organizing the meeting. So anyway, um <laughs> but we don't want this to turn into a simple rant about email. Um but it's just, it just, it's one, it's a happiness stumbling block because it's, there's a lot of pitfalls. It takes time. It takes mental energy. The stakes feel high because a bad email can lead to a very big problem. And, you know, it's, it's one of the problems of our age. Yeah. I mean, I think a, a good rule of thumb is when in doubt, don't. Yes. And Gretchen, we won't even get into in terms of email etiquette, whether you should sign off best, sincerely, <laughs> XO, hugs, love. Cheers, ciao. Che- cheers. There, that is that that's a rabbit yeah. hole we won't fall <laughs> we won't fall into today and that's a problem for another episode now let's let's tackle a listener question gretch this week our question comes from sarah hi ladies this is sarah i live outside of philadelphia i'm a mom of two little kids and i have a burning question that i'm calling you with here as i am recovering from a vacation hangover any tips from getting back into the groove quickly after returning from a really wonderful time away from home. Thanks, ladies. I love the show. Bye. So, Gretchen, this is something I totally suffer from. I relate to Sarah completely because I get vacation hangovers. I mean, I get this from anything, like if I've worked a long time hangover, (laughs) vacation hangover, stressful time hangover. I think it is really hard to get back into the groove of normal life after being outside of it. Well, see, this is where one of these places where I feel like I'm kind of a killjoy because I actually really usually like getting back in routine. I find it kind of a relief to get back into my ordinary day after I've been away. So I, I don't have this so much, I have to say. Well, see, the problem is like you get up at the same time, even if you're on vacation. So Many of your habits stay the same, whereas I do think most of us really let a lot of our good habits fall away when we're on vacation. And so that's what the hangover is. It's like, oh, everything's been loosened up and now I have to get back into kind of the constraints of my everyday life. Yeah. And it feels more oppressive than it did before you left because then you were just in it. You were doing it now that you've seen, you know, had this little oasis to get back into those things feels very difficult. Right. Right. Well, one thing I think that helps uh, that I I like, even though I kind of like getting back into routine, and I think it helps people who are, are have what you're talking about, kind of the getting back into the 
the shackles of everyday life is something that I learned from my in-laws. Because, Elizabeth, when you and I were growing up, like going on vacation, our parents' philosophy is like you cram every possible second out of a vacation. And so it would go to the very last minute. And my in-laws have this philosophy where you always try to get back a day early. So like you would come back on Saturday, not Sunday. And so you would have a day, one day fewer of vacation, but then you have a day when you arrive and this feels very luxurious. I feel like it really helps to have a transition period like that, like to unpack, to do laundry, to go through the mail, to like get everything kind of up and running in a leisurely way. Whereas if you're, if you're arriving from the airport at 8 PM and then you're going into work at 8 8 AM, 8 AM the next day, it's that that itself becomes very stressful and that probably exacerbates the problem of like oh here i had all this pleasure and leisure and reading on the beach and now i'm like thrust back into my everyday life and it just feels so onerous totally and then the other thing i think that can help is to have something to look forward to when you get back yeah so if you plan that i guess before the trip like dinner with friends on wednesday night or something then it's you're forward looking, not just looking backward at your vacation. Right, exactly. That's a great that's a great idea. And here's something um, about vacation specifically. I don't know about you, but one of the things that is really that I find stressful about vacations, and I keep meaning to fix, and I have not done it, but now um, this Sarah's question is making me think of it is to have a way of dealing with the photos because you know usually you want to like make a little book or you know do something with your your vacation photos, and I still. Like a lot of times I delay that for a long time and then it kind of weighs on my mind and it's something to worry about. I think I should try to have that be part of my like unpacking set of things is to do something with those Mm. vacation photos. That's a good idea. And then it's sort of like you're acknowledging the trip and you're it's it's a ritual. Yeah, it'd be fun because you're like reviewing it. And then and then part of what would make it fun to get back is like, oh, you're going to order your little album of your digital photos or you're going to make this or maybe you're going to print one out or you're going to make a I don't know whatever people do with their you know make put it on your phone or make a montage for Facebook or whatever you would do Um, that's kind of like a a finishing touch or a way to memorialize what happened and maybe try to fold that into the last stages of the vacation because I just postpone it postpone it postpone it and then it feels very disconnected from the vacation it's just like another thing on my to-do list. That's a great idea. And one thing the happiness research shows is that people really are happier when they take regular vacations, when they take breaks from their ordinary life. And so um, it's important to plan those vacations. You may get the vacation hangover, but, but really, you're, you're very wise to take a vacation. The weather's getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe without spending a fortune, and luckily I found Quince. Elizabeth, I got the Flow Knit Wide Leg Pant. It's very light. It's perfect for the summer. It packs very easily. I recently went on a trip with my family, and I took it with me, and they were just the thing to wear on a really hot day where I wanted to be covered up, but I wanted something that looked great and also was very comfortable. And the best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to Quince.com Gretchen for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot Gretchen to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com Gretchen.
So, Gretch, this week you are up with a happiness demerit. I am. Now, this is something that happened just the other night, and uh, I definitely should get a demerit for this. I, I got into bed, and I was lying down, putting my head on the pillow, and I realized that I had not meaningfully connected with anyone in my family <laughs> all night long. I don't know where my head was, but I was like reading a book that I enjoyed. I had a lot in my mind and I was just sort of sleepwalking through the motions. It wasn't like I was, you know, like being crabby. I wasn't being crabby and I wasn't like I hadn't locked myself in a closet or something, but I just felt like as I was lying down in bed and like Jamie was climbing into bed next to me, I was like, have I talked to you in like a week? I mean, I felt like <laughs> I hadn't. And then I thought about Eliza and Eleanor and it was just like, it was like I was talking to them or whatever I was doing, but my mind was a million miles away. And it wasn't like I had some like, some like huge pressing thing on my mind that I was so distracted because it was just everyday life. It was just, I was just sort of spaced out and disconnected. And I didn't notice I wasn't mindful enough of where of, of my internal state to realize like, hey, wake up, you know, slap myself on the cheeks and say, okay, like pay attention here. Um, I just, until I went to bed, it was, it hadn't even, I hadn't even noticed. Um, because I think if I, if I had noticed, I would have like made an effort to break through. Because this goes exactly to why you started your policy of um, warm hellos and goodbyes, right? So that you would make sure to be like, oh, yeah, I love these people. I need to connect. Yes. But I guess sometimes I get it. Sometimes you're just you just zone out. Yeah. And I was going through the motions like I'm sure I gave hugs and kisses and said, how was your day? But it was just like, you know, you say, how was your day? And then you're not listening when they answer. Or, you know, you, right. you give a hug and you're like checking your watch over their head or whatever. Um, yeah. So anyway, it was a good lesson for me, though, um, because that's a very unsatisfying way to deal with your family. And so next time, I'm like, you know, pay attention, be present, uh, feel the love. Yeah. Yep. Okay. How about you? Gold star, gold star. Well, I want to give a gold star to, you know, Jack's uh, kindergarten. Um, he, We had the cutest thing the other day, and I just thought it was such a good idea. Uh, so they're all learning to read, of course. And they, we had a little program called the Young Authors Program. And over the course of the school year, as they've started to learn to read and write, all of the kids wrote three different things. They wrote a personal narrative, I mean, a short personal uh-huh. narrative, about something that happened to them, what they call a persuasion poster, which was a little poster about something they want more of in their life, Ooh. and then a how-to guide. And they had all of these different pieces of writing in an envelope. And all of the parents came on Friday morning, and we sat around the grounds at the school, and each parent's child started with them and read for them what they had written which was great and then the child would go and read their stuff to another parent and somebody else's kid would come and read Ah. to you so it was just this really nice thing where your child is getting to get out there and express himself or herself and connect with other parents and we were getting to connect with other kids and you didn't do everyone you know it was just sort of whoever happened to be around and done at the right time for half an hour or so Um, but it was just this great program because the kids were so proud and so happy to share their work and you really got to know the kids because they were saying personal things in all of these pieces, right. you know, 
Um, my favorite of Jack's was his how to cook steak, which um, I don't even know how to cook steak. So <laughs> it was interesting to hear that. What did he want more of? Oh, he wanted more play dates. Yes. And his personal narrative was about the time he broke his arm in a tragic hugging accident. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, so anyway, just a gold star to them for that to me was really thinking outside the box yeah. about a, a kind of activity, you know, it wasn't just them singing a song or something. Uh, and it made everyone feel good. And then afterward, we had this great breakfast and um, the kids all got certificates and pencils saying that they were young authors. Um, and it was just a feel good morning all around. Well, and I got a little bit of pleasure of that because for your update, you sent a photo of Jack holding his certificate very proudly. And that, so I got the fun of getting to see the photo. Absolutely. And that's it for this episode of Happier. Remember to try this at home. Give advice only when it's asked for. And speaking of advice, call in. Give us your best advice you've ever gotten for our very special episode 70. That's 774-277-9336. That's 77-HAPPY-336. Thanks to our producer, Henry Malofsky, who one listener referred to as the third sister. <laughs> also, thanks to Andy Bowers and Laura Mayer of Panoply. Gretchen's on Twitter at Gretchen Rubin, and I'm at Elizabeth Craft. Our email address is podcast at GretchenRubin.com. If you like the show, please be sure to tell a friend. And if you rate or review us in iTunes, that's a big help for the show. If you want to get my free newsletter where I have uh, highlights from the podcast, the blog, um, the Facebook page, anything, just text me at 66866. And in the message box, enter the word happier. You'll get a text back that asks you for your email address. If you type that in, you'll be subscribed to the newsletter. Until next week, I'm Elizabeth Kraft. And I'm Gretchen Rubin. Thanks for joining us. Onward and Upward. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. And when I say in-depth, I'm talking deep. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide. They also have details about local schools with test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework.